This podcast, Czech German Perspectives, is brought to you by the Czech German Young Professionals Program. To find out more and have access to other episodes, please visit us at www.cgypp.eu. I'm your host David, and today I'd like to take you with me to Armenia, as we explore together how this small nation in the South Caucasus gathered resilience in the face of catastrophe. Without further ado, I'd like to give a warm welcome to our guest, a teacher from Yerevan, Armenia, who will be with us today to shed some light on Armenia's path to societal resilience. Thank you for having me. When I think about Armenian resilience, I can't help but remember a quote from William Saroyan, the Armenian-American novelist from Fresno, California. His short story, The Armenian and the Armenian, from 1935, includes the famous words, and I quote, Go ahead, destroy this race. Let us say that it is again 1915. There is war in the world. Destroy Armenia. See if you can do it. 1915 is of course in reference to the Armenian Genocide, perpetrated by the Ottoman Empire during the First World War, which led to the deaths of one and a half million Armenians. In the following sentences, Saroyan points out that no matter what destruction is brought upon the Armenians, 20 years later Armenian people will again sit together somewhere and discuss world politics over a glass of beer. This was written in New York 20 years after the genocide by 26-year-old William Saroyan. At this time, there was no independent Armenia on the map, and the word genocide had not even been coined yet, let alone applied to the tragedy of the Armenians. Obviously, things look quite different today. Armenia has enjoyed national independence since 1991, and the events of 1915 have been formally recognized as a genocide by 33 countries including Czechia and Germany, as well as major powers such as the United States, France and Russia. Would you say that the course of the last century has affirmed what Saroyan wrote in 1935? Does his appraisal of Armenian resilience still hold true? Yes, it applies today as well. Take, for example, the Second Karabakh War in 2020, when Azerbaijan waged war against us with an overwhelming force. Still neither Nagorno-Karabakh nor Armenia have been annihilated. So Armenia and the Armenians will continue to exist no matter what dangers we face. Speaking of Armenia and the Armenians, Armenians are known for having a sizable diaspora. Would you say that the link between the diaspora and Armenia is important for the Armenian identity as a whole? Definitely. There are about 3 million people living in Armenia officially, although the actual number might be slightly lower. Many live abroad as migrant workers, while their main residence remains in Armenia. However, 6 to 7 million Armenians live in the diaspora, over twice as many as in Armenia. Most of those live in Russia, the United States or France. Because Armenia itself is so small, it's important to maintain transnational cohesion of Armenians no matter where they live. That makes sense. 
does the fact that Armenians have a large diaspora have an impact on the resilience of the people in Armenia? Absolutely. We have the support of the diaspora in situations of crisis. For example, during the Karabakh War, diaspora organizations collected donations abroad and sent them to Armenia, organized demonstrations and thus drew attention to the situation in Armenia at the international level. As for the war, what makes Armenian society resilient in the face of constant military pressure from Azerbaijan along the border? The external threat makes our society more resilient in that it binds it together internally and domestic conflicts are set aside. So during the Karabakh war, many public figures such as singers and politicians didn't go to work, but instead were out in the streets raising money for donations. Also, lots of ordinary citizens donated large parts of their salaries to the army. However, after the tragic outcome of the war, there was also a sense of resignation among many citizens. In this context, a new societal rift emerged along the question of whether it was the right thing for Prime Minister Nikol Pashinyan to sign a ceasefire agreement with Azerbaijan. After the enemy side had made significant territorial gains and captured the city of Shushi. We have been in a permanent state of war even since the first Karabakh war in the early 90s. Political disputes not related to the war in Nagorno-Karabakh, in which we would otherwise have been involved, thus became largely irrelevant, as did COVID-19, by the way. I'm glad you mentioned COVID-19. Do you think COVID would have been a divisive issue if it hadn't been for the war? And what were the attitudes towards vaccination? The war made everything else seem more harmless. War broke out during the second wave of the pandemic, when there would soon be record numbers of COVID-19 cases. At the start of the war on the 27th of September, the seven-day average was 281 which would rise to 2091 by 2nd of November. Despite a magical emergency, there were even more immediate problems for us to tackle at that moment, given that we were under military attack. And this attitude towards COVID-19 has also continued afterwards when it comes to vaccination. Initially in winter 2020, AstraZeneca became available in Armenia, but almost no one wanted to take this particular vaccine. And in general, many people didn't believe in the effectiveness of the vaccine, and some didn't even believe that COVID-19 could be dangerous. When Sputnik was introduced in spring 2021, there was only a slight increase in vaccinations with just 1.1% of the population being vaccinated by the 30th of May 2021. 
However, in winter 2021, vaccination against COVID-19 became compulsory in many fields to still be able to go to work. As a result, the vaccination rate increased rapidly. In short, COVID-19 never became a divisive topic in Armenia society. That's, of course, in massive contrast to the situation in many countries in Europe. My final question to you. How did the Velvet Revolution of 2018, which is, of course, named after the non-violent revolution in Czechoslovakia of 1989, affect resilience in Armenia? It had a profound impact. The Velvet Revolution bonded us all together as a civil society. I would call it the peak of Armenian resilience in recent years. In April 2018, crowds of up to 40,000 anti-corruption protesters took to the streets, including myself. Um, the vast majority of the population has supported this movement. The fact that these mass rallies were successful has united us as a people. As a result of the new government's anti-corruption stance, more and more international companies set up shop in Armenia from 2018 onwards. This improved the economic situation in the long term and stopped the previously significant brain drain from Armenia. Despite the setbacks caused by the war, the changes brought about by the Velvet Revolution still have a lasting and positive impact on the resilience of Armenian society. Yeah, I followed it quite closely from Germany back then. It was really wonderful to see how all of that played out, given it could also have gone wrong, but it did not, which is wonderful. Well, this has been really enjoyable. I appreciated talking to you about these important topics, and I'd like to thank you in the name of our listeners for giving your perspective. It's been my pleasure. <laughs>